Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Morag Barrett about cultivating best friends at work. Morag Barrett, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, John. I'm so excited for this conversation. Me too. I'm super thrilled to have the chance to chat with you. And we're going to be talking about a really important topic, and that is cultivating friendships, even best friends at work. And, you know, we're, we've been in this whole pandemic situation for a couple of years now. Now, we know even prior to the pandemic that social, social isolation was more and more common, uh, people disconnecting from each other in real life and connecting via social media and during two years of pandemic and lots of people being locked down and not being able to travel as much and such, you know, it's, it's just, it really uh, exacerbated the problem. And we know that there's been a rise in mental health challenges and depression and anxiety uh, rise in, in uh, domestic abuse and assaults and those uh, sorts of situations. So, so it's, it's been a bleak time in a lot of ways, but especially as it relates to relationships. And so it, it, as we talk today, we're going to be exploring again, this idea of cultivating friendships in the workplace. Uh, This also has been a challenge as people have gone remote and we've had more distributed workforces and people aren't connecting uh, in a physical office space. Uh, So we're going to unpack all that and try to figure out how can we do this better? How can we develop meaningful relationships with those around us so we can fill our bucket, you know, because that's a really important need. We are social animals. Uh, we're going to explore all of this together. As we get started, I wanted to share Morag's bio with everybody. Morag Barrett is a best-selling author and the passion behind Sky Team, an international leadership development company that designs and facilitates award-winning programs. At last count, Morag has supported the development of more than 10,000 leaders from 20 countries and on six continents. Morag has contributed to CIO, Entrepreneur, and American Management Association, among others. She is also a member of the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Organization and is recognized by Thinkers360 and PeopleHum as an HR thought leader to watch. That is so wonderful. Thank you again so much for joining me. And uh, anything else you would like to share with my listeners by way of your background and personal context before we dive on into the conversation? Oh, well, mother of three six-foot boys and a ballroom dancer and bassoonist when I'm not working with leaders around the world. So there you go, a couple of snippets to cover all facets of my life, John. That is wonderful. And I note the accent. Where are you located? So right now I'm sitting in New Jersey. I am traveling for nearly almost the first time uh, since the pandemic uh, started. I'm actually based in Colorado, but the accent I bring with me from the UK, I grew up in England and left there 15 years ago to move to Colorado and absolutely adore that state. 
Wonderful. I love Colorado as well. Uh, I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. We share mm-hmm. many of the same wonderful outdoor features. <laughs> Indeed. It is a wonderful part of the country and part of the world. Well, wonderful. Uh, as we get started with this, why don't you tell us just a little bit about your book, um, which I didn't mention in the bio, but it's really the, the, the driver behind the topic for our conversation today. So tell us a little Absolutely. bit about your book and the impetus for it, why you decided to write it, then we can dive on in. Well, the exciting and hot news, John, is it's actually two books. So the first book I wrote, Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships, was published eight years ago and talks about the four critical relationship dynamics that we all experience at work. And I wrote it because I came out of a finance industry. I actually spent 15 years analyzing balance sheets and profit and losses and lending money to all sorts of companies and industries. And I found that the ones that were successful were not just the companies and leaders who focused on what they did and how they organized, the transactional side of business, they also paid as much care and attention to how business got done and the quality of the relationships within their teams, but also with their customers, the who we are and how we relate. But that was not common sense when I started my career, which is why I wrote Cultivate. And we all know when things are going well, we can kind of look forward to going to work. But when the proverbial hits the fan, that's when the finger pointing and blame and the silos and turf wars start to undermine success. And that was the genesis for our new book, which actually gets published in October of this year called You, Me, We. And it's how do I show up as a friend to others, even if you're pushing my buttons or our goals are in conflict? And again, genesis of that came out of the Gallup research around engaged workforces. Their question 10 of the 12 engagement questions is, do I have a best friend at work? And we've turned that on our head because my argument would be that that's passive. No, I don't because John was mean to me at lunchtime or whatever. Instead, we're turning it around on our head and asking the question, am I a friend at work? So in order to have an ally, you need to show up as an ally. And that's what those two books in um, tandem help us all to do. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so, so important. And, and maybe can you go into a little bit more detail about the different types of uh, workplace relationships and some of the challenges that you describe in your, your uh, first book on, on how to navigate that? Well, let's start with the dark side. So we all know at the end of the day, whether we're moving out of the bedroom or away from the kitchen table, wherever we may be working right now, when things haven't gone well, we're turning to somebody else who's living in the house or even the dog and saying, you can't believe what happened at work today. And I'm thinking about, for example, an executive uh, leader that I'm coaching in a technology company who literally lost his rag. He had delivered what he thought was a really logical, common sense decision to his team. And when you look at it on the face of it, on paper, it was. But he'd had feedback from third hand that it had come across, especially through the Zoom camera, because his team is all now working from home, that he was being too dictatorial. And he was essentially a triple A leader, arrogant, um, aggressive and a bit of an a-hole. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't polite and he lost it and he wasn't ready to accept that feedback. But there, John, is a great example. It doesn't matter how right or logical the decision he was communicating, his inability to get his team on board 
was going to undermine not just the company's success, but it was certainly derailing his own leadership reputation and potentially career success at that company. So sometimes we are our own worst enemy. We create the challenges. Sometimes it's systematic. I'm thinking about another colleague I'm working with who just missed the latest promotion cycle. But as we sat down and I was talking to my friend about what had happened, she came to the epiphany that it wasn't because she's not smart enough. It's because she hasn't invested in the peer relationships across the organization, the stakeholders in the room, so that when they're looking at promotions and saying, well, should Fiona get promoted or not, that she's got somebody there championing her. And so that's where she's now focusing her time and effort, strengthening those ties in order that she can be successful on her own career track, but also successful in how she collaborates across the company. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And and I really like your focus, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, about not passively waiting around for others to befriend us and to develop important relationships with us, but what are we doing to proactively go out and connect with other people and add value to them? You know, people, we, we are social animals. We want connection with people. Even introverts need connection with people. They just need a little bit less perhaps than say a type A, you know, extrovert personality. Um, but we all need people. We all need a, a group of, of confidants and friends and advisors and people that we can count on. And, you know, for many that happens in your personal life and you might have a spouse, partner or kids, or, you know, you have friends in your, in your surrounding neighborhoods, communities. Um, but for many people and for an increasing number of people, most of those meaningful social connections actually come in the workplace. Um, yes. they don't, they don't have other mechanisms to really, you know, create those types of, uh, connections. And so their workplace connections drive a lot of their social inter interaction and we can't just wait around passively. It might happen. You might have an outgoing person that comes and approaches you, uh, but most of the time that's not going to happen. And so how, how do yeah. I go about cultivating meaningful connections and relationships with people at work, especially if I'm not like a super outgoing person? Well, I'm so glad you asked because this is for all of us, as we shared in those two just short anecdotes, our success at life and work is down to the quality of our relationships. And it doesn't mean that we need to be hanging out every single day, um, though that can help. And of course, with the work from home, those chance encounters at the water cooler aren't happening. And what we're doing in the work we're doing in our research with leaders is finding small bite-sized ways for scheduled spontaneity. And to your point, it could be as simple as looking at LinkedIn and seeing a friend or a colleague or an acquaintance who's just been promoted. Send them a congratulations note. There you go, you've just made a deposit into that relationship bank account. Here's another fabulous one, John. And in fact, I'll get you to do it while uh, your listeners are following along. I want you to think about the best boss or best colleague you've ever worked with, the person who you would jump at the chance to work with again. I'm sure you've got somebody who's coming to mind, maybe several people, but who's top of the list? Who's coming to mind for you right now and what makes them special? Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. 
All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a really great question. It's, it's really important. A lot of times people frame that in a negative, like who's been the worst boss, the biggest jerk, a-hole boss mm-hmm. that you've ever had. And we've all had them. Uh, sometimes you have to think a little bit more carefully about who's really the best boss, who's the, been that yeah. best empowering type of person, who's been your Ted Lasso or, you know, whatever, oh, right? I love that show, um, yes. And yeah, when I, when I think of the very best boss I've ever had, it's that person who's just real, genuine, seem to actually care about me and how I developed. Uh, and they supported me and what I was trying to do. I wasn't looking for a free pass. I wasn't looking for someone to just constantly pat me on the back. I was looking for someone who would actually, you know, believe in me and support me and help me grow. And, and when I think of my very best boss, that that's who comes to mind. And I'm sure, and I've asked that question of those 10,000 leaders all around the world, and the themes that come out are consistent. It's somebody who cared about me as an individual, not just a job title or a pair of hands on the team, who gave me the opportunity to learn and grow, maybe challenged me, maybe gave me tough feedback and the kick in the pants that I needed to have. But it's all around the human piece. Well, here comes the homework. And for everybody listening who's now thinking of their best boss or colleague, I dare you. I double dog dare you, send them a LinkedIn message, send them a text, an email, a message to the universe to let them know that you are listening to the podcast, that you are top thinking about your best colleague, and here's why. And I guarantee when you get the reply back, you will have rekindled or again made a deposit in the relationship bank account. And it's as easy as that. It takes two minutes, two minutes. Here's another one. You said earlier, um, what one of the characteristics of your favorite colleague there was that they cared about you. And in Cultivate and in You, Me, We, we talk about four questions that underpin every relationship at home and at work. Number one is, can I count on you to get your stuff done and back to me on time? Can I depend on you to go the extra mile to correct the typo, to give me warnings of impending disaster? That's the transactional piece that I talked about earlier on. But question three is, do I care about you and do I trust you? And that's the interpersonal transformational piece. And again, a simple technique. Zoom has made us all very Pavlovian, Pavlov's dog. It's get on the call, get on the call. We're overscheduled, even though we're working from home and probably still not getting bathroom breaks in the day. It's crazy. But here, what happens in your Zoom meetings? If you're straight down to what are you doing and the work, then I encourage you to take just two minutes at the beginning of the next call to simply ask, how are you? How are you doing? And spend a little bit. Here we are in the US, Super Bowl weekend. I didn't watch it. 
but I did see the Budweiser advert, but did somebody see the halftime show? Take a moment to connect at a human level. And that's how you get to the yes of do I care about you? And then we can get down to the work. And I promise you, it will transform the relationships, the sense of belonging and the connection to the team. Yeah, I love that. And it really can be simple things. The start of a meeting, take the time to just go around the horn and give people a chance yes. to chat about what did they do this weekend? What was meaningful? You know, what, what, uh, how did, how did they spend their time? What was their favorite pastime? What hobbies are they working on when you're doing your one-on-ones, when you're doing coaching or mentoring sessions, like just, you don't take the entire time just shooting the breeze, but it, you can take just a couple minutes to just Absolutely. show, show that you genuinely care. Uh, you actually are and, listening and you want to hear what they have to say. And here's what I love about leaders today is they're more willing to enter into that conversation. Organizations are thinking about it. The great resignation to me is a symptom of the fact that I felt disconnected from my team. And in my own organization, we start every team meeting with what we call ripples and joys. And it's a free for all. You can share whatever you like. But the idea being a ripple being an impact we've had for somebody else or that somebody has had for us and a joy, anything personal or professional that has made us laugh in the last week to, um, since we last got together. And that has brought us that humanistic piece that when I started my career, I remember being told it's not personal, it's just business. Well, it's BS because all business is personal and we need to now make an explicit conversation around how do we do this when we're working in a hybrid environment, when we have employees who might be in the office, those who are working remotely and everything in between. Because if we don't, that's when that epidemic of loneliness continues and the great resignation continues to get fueled. Maybe it's obvious. It's certainly obvious to me and you, maybe not obvious to everyone who's listening or, you know, some leaders who might be tuning in for the first time. Um, why does this even matter? Like businesses for business, like you show up to work, you do the work. Let's not worry about all this, this fluffy stuff. Um, and, and relationships can just get in the way. They can be distracting. How much time are we wasting, you know, just chatting about our day or our week and, and not being productive, not being efficient and not getting stuff done. I, I'm sure there are people who think that way. So what would you say about that? And what, what, why is it so essential that we foster meaningful relationships with our people and not, you know, I, I, obviously I'm kind of setting up a bit of a straw man. Like we don't want people <laughs> to just be robots, but, but, uh, but there, you know, there are some leaders who, who really seem to kind of want to drive that kind of focus efficiency kind of model. And then others that might be, you know, much more um, open to the relational stuff. And, and the reality is we're probably looking for something somewhere, you know, a balance in the middle, right? You need both. I mean, this is not group hugs and lollipop sort of relationships. This is still, we need to meet our goals. But wouldn't it be great to have an environment where everybody cared as much about focus and efficiency as you used it there and delivering results effectively whilst having fun? Because that then turns work in a to, to a place I want to be versus I have to be. And then there is oodles of data that I could share around the cost of hiring a new employee. So if you've got turnover, if you're experiencing the great resignation right now, 
two to three times the annual salary as the cost of replacement, let alone the stress, anxiety and burnout for your team members who are carrying the load for somebody who has left whilst you go through the hiring process. Wouldn't it be better to retain those folks from the get go? And if people are leaving, because some turnover is great, have them leaving saying, oh, my goodness, that company was awesome. I loved working with John. You should definitely join that company because then you've got a ready funnel of talent wanting to join. And people are sending a positive story out into the community and out into the, the world about your organization and brand. And all of that helps fuel success. So for me, this is a no brainer in that if you're not investing in the quality of your relationships, then you can expect at best results to remain the same or to plateau or get worse. And it comes down to, do you have an ally mindset? Are you focused on the human side at work or are you focused on the robotics like you said? We in passing mentioned Ted Lasso just a couple minutes ago. Oh, <laughs> One of the great things about Ted Lasso is his focus on people. People matter to him more than yes. almost anything, right? And he and he recognizes he wants to win, he wants to be successful, he wants his people to perform at a high level, um, but he realizes that first and foremost, it's about developing relationships and it's about trust. And if people don't trust him and don't believe that he cares about them, uh, then all bets are off. And, and so he, he focuses just so much time and attention on relationships and developing trust. That means he listens to people. He's genuinely interested in them. He wants to get mm -hmm. to know them. He's listening to them. He's trying to, uh, to, to, to do everything he needs to do to help them uh, believe that he cares, right? Exactly. And that's the sign over his office door. And what he's done and that show just is so elegantly doing is he's not a technical expert, Spoiler alert, as we learn in the very first episode, he knows nothing about English football soccer. And so he has to rely on others. But what he is a good read of is the human dynamic and allowing other leaders to break through their um, barrier. I know I wore it for a long time of having to present the best face, the British stiff upper lip, but showing courage and vulnerability. And in the latest season, what we're also seeing with the Nate storyline is when he takes his eye off the ball, if I can use the, the metaphor, when he isn't paying attention to the relationship, how that can undermine not just the success of the team, but also cause the downward slide of that colleague. So very powerful lesson. If you haven't watched it, I encourage people to do so. And, and spoiler alert, it's a po post hoc spoiler alert for the end of season two. <laughs> um, ah, I, didn't, I didn't tell him what was happening other than he's taken his eye off the ball for next yeah. year. No, but, it, but we'll it, it see really, in, in season three. <laughs> that's right. And and really, honestly, it, it, relationships are so important. And I and I I think that most people listening probably understand that and agree with that. And probably most leaders and most organizations, like I said, it was a straw man earlier. I, I don't yeah. think most, most people are like, I'm a robot. You're a robot. Be efficient, be productive. Um, you know, people recognize relationships are important, but it's one thing that conceptually understand that it's another thing entirely to actually mm -hmm. proactively go about developing those relationships with the people in, in, meaningful, sustainable, ongoing, genuine ways, right? And that's one of the things that Ted Lasso does so well. Uh, it's one of the things I hope that I do well with, with the various teams of people I work with. Uh, and I'm sure I don't do it as much as I 
would like or what my intention is. And so it's just a matter of, of continually coming back to it and reflecting on it. How am I doing? Am I really taking the time to help people know that I care? When you do that, you develop those relationships. Um, now, Morag, I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. Uh, but before we close, and there's so much more we could talk about on this topic, but before we close for today, uh, can, can you please provide us with uh, how listeners can get connected with you, uh, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. So if people would like to learn more about their own ally mindset, then I've created a very special URL for your listeners, and that would be Sky, uh, Sky Team, S-K-Y-E, team.cloud, C-L-O-U-D, forward slash H-C-I. So if they go there, they can take the Ally Mindset profile with my compliments and uh, find out where they could be investing more time and then connect with me on LinkedIn and follow me at skyteam.com to learn more about the work my team and I are doing with leaders around the world. And then my final thought on this whole concept of relationships, relationships are not a nice to have, they are a need to have. And especially in times of rapid change and uncertainty, which the pandemic brought to us all, and we are still navigating. So the best time to be investing in those relationships is today, one conversation at a time. Well said, Morag. It has just been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Morag and her team can do for you. Check out the books. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership 
will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.